The scripture reading this morning is um, from John 1 and John 3, if you'd like to follow along in your bulletins. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Behold the Lamb of God. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Aon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to it, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 
the reading of God's Word. Good morning, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, as I preach through John for, the most, for most of this year, I want to remind you about what else is being offered to you um, to get the most out of this book. As our missions moment expressed, we have um, the Sunday morning learning community at 845. We have our community groups uh, that are listed in your bulletin. Um, uh, most of which are go- have committed to studying and reflecting um, on John. And then let me offer you a few other resources if you want a personal study. Now, some of these groups are using these, but, um, uh, but we have, uh, uh, and maybe some of our community groups are break down into smaller groups, whatever. But there's uh, Getting to Know John by uh, Robert Peterson. Um, it's this book right here if you want to ask me about it after church, and I'll have it back there for you to look at. And the other one, uh, which is more of a, like a day-to-day approach where you have a daily study and you got to write all this stuff in there. Some of y'all like that kind of stuff. Um, that's Kathleen, Kathleen Nielsen. Um, this book is called John That You May Believe. And then for you uh, more heady theological types who want to do a commentary, the commentary I'm lo- using uh, mainly is uh, by uh, Leslie Newbigin. And um, that book is called The Light Has Come, if you want to just get a little deeper. Now, there's not a lot of Greek study in this and all that, but it's, it's definitely a pretty good commentary uh, for those who want it, want it thick, right here. Um, and uh, so, and then Michael uh, has some more books for you if you want to get into it, but it is my intention that, if, I don't know if you can tell, that you kind of get to understand John. Um, again, what I can do in a sermon is not what is all you guys a need I believe, to really get into this book, get behind it, and have it get into you. Um, So, okay, so last week, John gave us what I would describe as a metaphysical approach to Jesus in his coming. That the divine, the unseen God, and uh, would, would finally and fully be seen and known in Jesus, the Son of God. This week, we have what I describe as the opening act to Jesus's earthly ministry. And the opening act was a man many of us would describe as a pretty different kind of dude, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the first backwoods revival preacher, baptizing folk at the Jordan River while living out there eating locusts and wild honey, wearing itchy camel's fur, like an itchy camel's fur onesie is what I figure it was, with a leather belt to hold it on. If you couldn't tell, he came to be seen and make a scene to his verse 23 says to call people to make straight the way of the Lord, to get ready, to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist's opening act was calling them back then. And now you and me, as we walk with Jesus through this book, to prepare to first receive the Lord to secondly prepare us to experience the Lord, and finally prepare us to know the Lord, to receive, to experience, and to know. And as the hype man for God, John the Baptist got plenty of attention. As people were coming to hear John preach about repentance and, 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 and getting baptized, which was a cleansing rite that was known to be done by Jews, and, and getting prepared for what God was about to do, the Bible tells us that some people came asking him, some people from Jerusalem came asking him whether he was the Christ or whether he was Elijah or whether he was the prophet. 
These folk asking questions were, weren't just any people. They were representatives uh, from the major religious divisions of Judaism in the day. They were considered by many to be the religious and political gatekeepers of the Jews back then. And by asking him whether he was Elijah, Christ, or the prophet, they were trying to put John and his ministry in a category and in a camp that could easily be controlled and defined and even disputed by them. But John was not claiming to be the king and the Christ who would take back Israel from the Romans. He was not claiming to be Elijah in their way of claiming him to be Elijah, and thus warning folks of God's coming fiery judgment. And he was not the prophet like they wanted him to be, like Moses coming to fix their law and theological disputes. John, according to verse 23, by his own words, were preparing the world to receive God's salvation, and God's Savior. Look with me again at verse 23 in chapter 1. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, the prophet Isaiah said this in the Old Testament, and when you look at the context of that, it talks about making the straight, the path of the Lord. And back then, you didn't have roads. There was no highway. And so when royalty would come, you would make a highway through the desert around the nooks and crannies, kind of showing them where they could ride their horses or where their men could walk to make it easy for them to come. And sometimes the kings would come to conquer and they would send people ahead to make a highway for their charging and warring armies. But Isaiah was saying what John is repeating. Make straight the way of the Lord who comes to save those who are his. That Jesus was coming as a shepherd to save the lost sheep, to free people from the bondage of the city that they may be trapped or imprisoned in. So John is saying, my opening acts are about preparing people not for judgment, because here is a twist. If we look at verse 36 in chapter 3, it tells us, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him. People were and are already under judgment and imprisoned and trapped by their sins and darkness and false and faulty religion. John is preparing and telling the world, look with expectation for God to come and save you from sin in the city, to save you from your mess, to save you from the oppression and fear and hurt that you lie in and under in this world and where you live. And so he defines what Jesus' ministry while on earth will be all about. God's salvation, God's coming, salvation of lost and burdened and broken people. You and I are coming at Jesus or this gospel for any other reason but for salvation, we will miss it. If we come at this gospel to just gain theological dominance or to make our really good life okay life better. If we come to this gospel and to Jesus for selfish prosperity or sustain and and give us a, a happy lifestyle, prepare yourselves to be disappointed. 
This gospel is about God's salvation of a broken world and its people. Don't look for anything else if you want to be freed from the wrath of God and to no longer remain in the bondage of your sin and darkness. And it makes sense why the gospel doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And sometimes like those curious Pharisees, we want the gospel and what Christ came to do to speak and fit into our categories. We want to make and shape the gospel into our worldly categories, and it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work. Our way to take Jesus is crooked and is lined with barriers and rocks and crevices to lead the Lord not in his way, but in our way. And and he is going to and has come in his way. Understand when it says, make straight the way of the Lord, it's not saying make the road the way you want Jesus to come to you. It is saying, guess what? Jesus coming this way and the way he said he's going to come, make that way straight for the Lord. So prepare. As we go through this book, As some of you are investigating Christianity or beginning to look into your faith again, prepare for salvation and redemption and sanctification. To be what he, Jesus, is all about. But not only does John prepare us to receive God's salvation, but prepares us to receive God's Savior. When we read the verses of our scripture today, it is clear from John the Baptist that he was not the Christ but that Jesus, whom he will baptize, was. But remember, there were groups back then, again, looking for a king to crush the adversaries or be a theological, philosophical, or political leader. And we'll see this through the gospel as we go. They think that the Messiah will be in the ivory towers of political and theological and social academia. But John is like, I am calling you to prepare to receive God's Savior. Savior. And in fact, by saying that he is Elijah and the prophet the way he does, he is saying, you are preparing to receive God the wrong way. He is coming as the Savior. Look at verse 29 with me. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That tells it, doesn't it? Not the lion not the bear, not the great master of the law and the Bible or theology or finance, though he is. But behold, and receive and follow him as he is presenting and coming, as the Savior, as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, as the one who will be beaten and sacrificed, receive Jesus, the one who will be maligned and mistreated and mishandled for the sins of his people. Prepare to see and receive a Lord who will be sacrificed and sacrificial about his right to rule, who will seem not as powerful a a leader as the Roman leaders. He, He comes as the Lamb of God to save us. In fact, verse 36 tells us what it means to be the Lamb of God, the one we just read in chapter 3. The wrath of God won't remain on you when you come into God's salvation. It actually goes on the one who comes to be the Savior or the Lamb. But like them, back then, it is easy to have a crooked picture of Jesus. 
instead of a straight path and picture of who he said he was and came to do in these Gospels. And unfortunately, all of us, whether we grew up in a religious South or whether we grew up in, 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 in an irreligious family, we all kind of have pressed in our minds, we all kind of are living our lives unprepared for what this Gospel has to say. And it shocks us when we get there. We're looking for Jesus to be this or that, and he isn't. He's only who he says he is and who the gospel tells us he is. My first concert growing up that I went to as a youngster, youngster, what a word, was a run DMC concert. Not the one with the reality show. The ones with Adidas sweatsuit the Kango hats, the Fergoras. I mean, all month long, I prepared to go to the Run DMC concert. I had my jeans sent to the cleaners, heavy starch. Some of you older people know what I'm talking about. With the crease. I, and I don't know if y'all knew this trick. I kept those jeans in under the mattress, right? You would lay them flat in the mattress in between the box spring and the mattress part to keep them nice and tight. And then my Adidas were shining white. You know the kind you don't wear when you go to school the first day? It's like, boom, right? I had the shiny white Adidas. I had the jeans and the mattress. I didn't wear those tennis shoes until it was time for the Run DMC concert. Went over there to the concert hall, and bam, first thing out on stage, hard times are coming. Man, jam message. It was a dream. What? This was it for about an hour. And the Run DMC concert was over. Huh? An hour? All month long for an hour? But I still saw people coming in and showing up. In fact, I saw my two older aunts. They like Run DMC too. And then all of a sudden the crowd went the loudest it had gone all night long. I thought, yeah, set two of Run DMC. And out of the speakers, you dropped the bomb on me, baby. You dropped the bomb on me. It wasn't a Run DMC concert. It was a Gap Band concert, and Run DMC was just the opening act. <laughs> I prepared the whole month and paid all my money for a full ticket for an opening act. John is saying, prepare for the dreams and imaginations and all you put in this life as you come to this gospel, all what you have settled on or even pressed into receiving and expect from him or not to expect from him all your life. Prepare for Jesus to drop the bomb on you and shatter all of it. This gospel journey through John is one about God's salvation by God's Savior, Jesus Christ. Make straight and clear the path in your mind now for that new reality. Because not just understanding and knowledge and getting it right is at hand, but eternal life, right relationship with God, and then yourself in this world and others. And the abundance of that life is coming down the path. Prepare yourself for salvation 
through God's Savior, Jesus Christ. Understand that the questions about who John the Baptist was and what he was doing are not just theological questions for these people. They're wondering what all John is doing will mean for them and their earthly experience. And John is preparing them to accept a Lord who will experience us and whom we will experience. Look with me at verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I have said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself didn't know him, but for this purpose, I came baptized with water that he might be revealed to Israel. I always have to wonder. Have you ever wondered? I did. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? He was perfect. He was not a sinner needing a cleansing rite. But you and I are, right? By being baptized, understand what this meant. Jesus was promising and covenanting and joining into the experience of our humanity to acquaint himself and to be counted among us. And also by being baptized, he covenants, he contracts to do what the baptism says he will do. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness and make us right with God. Jesus came not to be a sinner, but to feel the burden and pain of what it means to live under the wrath of God like you and I may or do. Again, we are under the wrath apart from, uh, we are under the wrath of God apart from God's salvation. It is our state. And Jesus promising to visit and experience us in our state. I went to New York City in New Jersey with John Wells. I already told him I was going to share this story. It was only a matter of time before it became a sermon illustration. We went to Camden, New Jersey. Kind of a rough place, if you didn't know. Visit a pastor up there, Doug Logan, good friend of mine, pastor of a church up there. And we got on a little freeway, I don't know what you call it, to go over to Philadelphia, but it was a toll road. Realized we didn't have no money. So Doug says the best thing to do is just back up down the freeway and then back down the exit in our rental car. So John's like, I'm not doing it. Doug's like, man, come on, you punk. Get up, let me do it. And John's like, all right. So Doug backs up down, not down the emergency lane, no, down the middle lane. And he's driving like 40 backwards. 40 backwards is fast. And as soon as we're, I'm like, we're going to make it. We are right. There's a trooper. I'm like, did he see us? He saw us. And all of a sudden, we're like, we're in trouble, y'all. And then they start the stories. You know, I'm already feeling scared because, you know, I didn't grow up like that. I don't know about these other two fellas. I didn't grow up like that. I didn't grow up in that state. Yeah, bro, let me tell you, if we got to go to jail, jail, what? He's like, just calm down. If we got to go to jail, because I'm driving this car, my name's on the thing. There's no more local police in New Jersey, so the state troopers are kind of taking a lot of, state police kind of taking a lot of the crime stuff, and they, they don't have time. If we go to jail, expect, there's a chance we could be in there for 10 days. I'm like, 10 days? 
I'm the guy, I'm the little guy with the high voice. I'm not going to jail for 10 days. Uh-uh. And then I began to, Wells wanted me to let you know that I began to punk out. He wanted me to use that word. And I was like, look, I'm not from y'all state. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm not, I'm from New Jersey. I'm not from Philly. I'm not from New York. I'm a good, good Southern boy from Charleston, South Carolina. And I said, well, look, let me just get out the car. He's like, you don't get out the car in Jersey. We're going to die. We're going to die. You in Jersey, they're going to treat you like a black man in the state of New Jersey, in the city of Camden, regardless of where you came from. You in this car with us, in this state, you ain't no different, brother. And Jesus came. He came into our state. He's not a sinner. He's not like us. But he came to be treated and feel what it's like to be you and me. That's what his baptism was about. Getting in with us. Getting in with our mistakes without actually doing it. And eventually prosecuted for our staff. Baptism, Jesus getting in the car with a bunch of crazy people like me and you. In our state. Look at verse 23 again. He said, I am the voice of one crying out the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah says. Get this, John is announcing the coming of the Lord God of all creation, not in Jerusalem. He's not in the big city where the high-end property and best auditoriums are. No, John is crying out in the wilderness with country folk who don't feel important enough or who can't afford to live in the city or too sinful to be that close to the rich and holy. And John says, as Isaiah does, make straight a path in the wilderness, in the desert, through the sticks, because our Lord is coming into and through that context, into and out of the desolate to where and what humanity really is living like, as unreachable unless Jesus comes, as unheard unless Jesus comes close to him, as abandoned unless Jesus joins him, to like a place that is just like our own dark heart, where there are no major highways or easy paths to get to us, to humanity, to wherever and however you in your own personal context may be hidden or hide from the Lord. Prepare! To experience the Lord in the wilderness and desert and dark and desolate and lonely and dry of your life. Make straight the path through and to the crooked and crannied recesses of your life and history and actions in a way you are truly in the dark when no one is looking or judging. Prepare to experience Jesus the Savior there. He comes that way by your way to hopefully lead you and me to a new way. But John the Baptist was also preparing them to know the Lord, to know who he was, and to hopefully believe who he was. Look with me at verse 26. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. 
These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose I came baptized with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John is saying to the Jews, you don't know who Jesus the Savior is. And then John says himself, I don't even know who he is. I didn't even know who he is. Now get this. John and Jesus were cousins. Right? Second cousins. They had to play ball together in the backyard. Or at the very least, Mary brought Jesus by for Elizabeth to watch while she went to the market. And he played with his cousin John. But John says he did not know him. What does this mean? John is declaring Though Jesus and I grew up together, possibly, and, and, and pass each other on the street at very least, I was worlds apart. As far as heaven is from earth, from attaining the knowledge of who he was until, until what? Until God showed and then told me with his word that Jesus was the Messiah until heaven came down and pointed him out and said, this is the one. Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph, the carpenter's son, is the one. Think about one of your cousins. Pick one. Yeah, pick the crazy one. Yeah. And then one day, could you imagine your cousin just walking through the family union? And then one day, the Holy Spirit says, this is God's son. Probably John heard this from his mama and then that Jesus was special. Maybe all he can do is work with his hands as a carpenter kind of special. But not this kind of special. Not this kind of savior special. John the Baptist testifies to what the gospel story will be all about. Jesus admittingly, admitting openly and all he does is what he says that he is the one. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That this man who, Jesus, who lived a long time ago and is talked about in this Bible is being made known to us and is being cast and casting himself as the Messiah God come in the flesh. I want to drive this point home because I want you to know that is how Jesus and the writers of the gospel knew him and what God made known about this man named Jesus. So make straight away in your minds... That there is no other. There is not another historical Jesus or Messiah to come. That as you read this book and hear things preached about him, that you would take this Bible at its word and who it says Jesus said, and the Bible says he was. The coming and promised Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of yours. Prepare yourself with that declaration and that expectation. Now here's the rub. What you are able to do with that and what you will do with that proclaimed fact is a different story. 
Because knowing about Jesus and believing him are two different things. Look at what John says here. Look again at verse 32 and 34. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He is saying this. God opened my eyes to not only see him physically, as showing up in history and being baptized, but to know him, to comprehend and then believe as much as possible that he was the Lamb of God, the Savior of God, coming to flesh to save his people. It was not until the Spirit came and told him. It was not until uh, God did something supernatural by the Holy Spirit, seen as a dove here, as a sign that this is the Lord Savior. Did he not only, that he not only knew that was, that, excuse me, Did he not only know who this was enough to say, this is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, but begins to see and measure and live out the purpose of his life in belief that Jesus was the Son of God, God come in the flesh. In fact, John the Baptist says in chapter 3, when people are trying to kind of incite him against Jesus because he's losing disciples to Jesus, that this in verse 25. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew of a purification. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive one thing unless it is given from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He is saying his disciples are following Jesus not because of their smarts, or because I was a better, or, or because he's a better teacher, or because he's done, or I've done something or said something wrong, or was not the great John. But because something right and true has happened. That the one he opened and prepared people to accept as the Son of God really is. John is the Baptist is saying, My life rejoices. And believes as one who can decrease because Jesus, the one whom I know, I know that I know as the Son of God and promised Savior, my Savior, the one who makes sense of my life and the life of those who will follow him, increases. And then he goes on in verse 31 through 36. He says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. A lot there. Go to Sunday school. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives a spirit, get this, without measure. 
The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay, let's try to summarize this a little bit. John the Baptist is saying this. I know the one who is known as Christ is Jesus because the Spirit opened my eyes when it descended on him. And now that same Spirit intervenes so that people can know Jesus as Lord and Savior and and, and Jesus has come to help them do that. John's message. Prepare to not only know about him, but to miraculously and supernaturally know and believe him as Lord and Savior. It doesn't make sense that the disciples could just leave John like that. After how powerful John was, man, he could preach. But get this. They actually believed in the one whom John was presenting. Prepare for some of you to leave the way you have done life and what and why you followed to stop being a student and disciple for whatever and whoever and begin by and why we live life to believe in him for eternal life and believe in him to change us. Some of us, again, have known about Jesus all of our life. Churchgoers raised in the South, and some know him as a historical religious figure, some as a substituted cuss word, or someone, or something you do good at Christmas or Easter. John the Baptist is saying, prepare yourself, because he alone, when he takes the stage as the main act in your mind, in your study, in your journey through the Bible, only he has the power. To give the Holy Spirit without measure. To open blind eyes and save lives. Prepare for that. Some crazy stuff is going to happen when Jesus shows up. Folk don't go crazy. I believe in Jesus. What? You do? Yes. Why? I don't know. I believe the words. I remember one time when I was in Atlanta as an assistant pastor, we were doing our normal church thing pastor preach a good gospel message talk about you know come to christ you know you're not baptist we didn't have an altar call we just had the communion we don't expect nothing you know ain't no come to jesus and hold notes we're not doing that so we we sitting around the elders kind of hovering around the lord's supper and we just giving it getting ready and he's putting you know we're trying to set it up and this guy just hovers behind us like this I'm like, oh my Lord, it's one of those Sundays. Crazy man done come to church. He's just standing there. And I'm like, Lewis, this man is just standing there. And the pastor says, ask him what he wants. (laughs) What do you want? I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. He wants to accept Jesus, Lord and Savior. And it was like, what should we do? <laughs> this guy's crazy. This is church. He wants to accept Jesus? You mean to tell me this stuff's for real? Anytime anybody wants to accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior and they believe the Bible and they want to come in, you know, there have been times, you know, when I was in college, you shake your face. Yes, I want to pray to accept the Lord. Really? I'm shocked. 
John is saying, prepare yourself for the shock. Some of you in here, you got your mind made up. The Bible says Jesus has been given the Spirit without measure to use as he pleases to use it. Let me tell you, when that Spirit drop on you, you will drop everything you followed in the past like a crazy person. But now in your right mind and heart and follow Jesus. Jesus was the opening act. Jesus comes to do the act of opening us and changing us and giving us eternal life. Make straight the way of the Lord. You know, I kind of try to stay away from words like expectation. You know, it's kind of like the backwash of the prosperity gospel movement. Expect your blessing today. But John is preparing us to be expect of God's powerful redemption. I'm sorry, y'all. I know how it feels to come to church and, and go to God and pray and, and, and things don't seem to happen, but I am urging you to not lose faith but to prepare for and expect the Lord to work powerfully in your life. See, work powerfully in your life. Again, backwash at a whole healing, prosperity TV ministry. But it's true, Presbyterians. It's true. Prepare yourself. Make straight the way. That means lay yourself and stuff out there to be challenged and changed and taken by the Lord. I know it's hard. I know it's impossible. But he's been given the spirit without measure. Live expect. Prepare your heart for that. And that's to me too. 